Coming up on this episode of Here's an Idea. Once we saw the, the astronauts moving on the planet, we thought, why not create a robot that would leverage the low gravity setting? How do you test the space robot? We mounted the robot on these hovercraft robots. The robot was jumping from one wall to the other wall. Today's episode of Here's an Idea is brought to you by Futech Advanced Sensor Technology. Futech helps leading innovators like NASA shape the future by providing custom sensing and test and measurement instruments for groundbreaking applications. Futech solutions push the limits of measurement capabilities and development to reinvent and redefine sensor technology. Go to futech.com to learn more. Hello and welcome back to Here's an Idea. For these next few episodes, we're talking with engineers and researchers who are creating the latest innovations in space and aerospace technology. Our guest today is Hendrik Kolvenbach, a PhD student at the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology in Zurich. He's creating a bouncing robot called Spacebach that's designed to jump over six feet as it explores the moon. Hendrik, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Hendrik, to start, since we're a podcast, of course, we can't see the robot. What does Spacebach look like? So Spacebook is a walking robot. So it pretty much looks like a black box with four legs. Um, the dimensions resemble that of a medium-sized dog. So it's um, roughly two and a half feet long, one and a half feet wide. And if it's standing, the hip height is also around one and a half feet. Um, the robot has four legs, which are actuated by two motors each. So it has a knee flexion and extension joint and also a hip flexion and extension joint. And the main structural materials that we used were carbon fiber and aluminum. So basically to make the robot as light as possible. And Hendrik, what inspires that kind of design? So we built this robot basically with this ability to perform um, mostly jumping locomotion in space. And therefore, we wanted to create a robot that is, uh, that is able to perform these highly dynamic motions that you would also find, for example, um, in a dog. And um, this is also where this name comes from. And the very famous animal on Earth, which does this type of locomotion, is the African springbok. So um, there we created this new word called spacebok, where we try to get the name space and the second half of the springbok together and create this new word called um, spacebok. Why is it so important for a robot to be able to jump when we're talking about space robots? So um, which walking motions are efficient also depend on the gravitational level. So if we as humans, for example, would do a hopping motion on Earth, we would find this not to be uh, very efficient to get around. And I think everybody who has been to a gym, tried this a few times, would, would agree with that. That's rather exhausting. We also have this footage from the astronauts who've been on the moon and who would use a jump or a skipping gate quite regularly, and they find it the best way to travel. So it's basically because the human brain is amazingly adaptive and can really exploit this low gravity setting. So when we do the experiments here, um, we can show that the longer the flight phases are in a low gravity setting, the more efficient we can get around. And what are the technology components in Spacebach that enable this kind of jumping? There are a couple of basic technologies that you would find in all the mobile robots and also in uh, Spacebach itself that are very, very much the same amongst all mobile robots. So there's a consumer-grade computer inside, there's a battery inside, there's an inertial measurement unit inside to estimate the state of the system, and um, of course, motor controllers to be able to control the motors. Now, what this makes special now for this type of jumping locomotion, we also integrated springs um, to make this motion very efficient so that we can store and recuperate energy. And we also um, implemented a reaction wheel. So the reaction wheel became very important 
as soon as we spin it, we have a counteracting torque on the base, which allows us to control the pitch axis. And there we can make sure that it lands back on its feet. And how are the springs used? So the springs are in parallel with the, the leg kinematics. So um, this means that whenever we are landing, the, the springs are going to store some of these landing energy. And as soon as we want to take off again, we just recuperate the energy, basically get this kinetic energy back uh, and then perform the next jump. And with this, we increase the efficiency of the jump. So how exactly does the space box move? How high can it jump? What can it do? It can do tricks. The robot is force controlled. This is different to the stiff type of position control that you would find in industrial robotic arms. And we adjust this force that we apply on the ground based on um, some boundary conditions. So the boundary conditions are, for example, the friction. So we can only apply as much force on the ground as friction allows us. And on the other hand, we also have the constraints from the motors. So we cannot apply more torque to the ground. Um, than the motor would permit us to do. So um, in order to make the robot walk, we pre-program a gate pattern, so um, a certain series of footholds, and then also um, a trajectory that the leg has to do in the air. So in coming back to this jumping locomotion, um, the robot can jump around three feet continuously, and we can also perform single leaps up to four feet. And the high jump was a nice feature, but really it was about being efficiently for a long duration of time. Hendrik, can you help us envision a scenario? Can you take us through a scenario of, of how you see uh, Spacebach being used uh, on lunar missions or, or on Mars or other kind of planetary missions? So in general, um, in, in space robotics, the engineers are often driven by the requirements coming from the scientists. So um, they are asking usually about um, a locomotion platform that brings them to one place or the other so that they can deploy their instrument or get certain samples from an, from an area. So And at the same time, space exploration is also a very evolutionary process. So when we first um, land at the planetary body, uh, we don't try to go in the most difficult terrain, um, but rather gradually increase the difficulty, learn as much as we can do, and then in the next step, send a more sophisticated mission. So now we are at the stage where um, we want to go into more challenging environments. So those are basically caves, um, craters, highlands, areas in which we would find, for example, water or other volatiles, um, or just information that, about the geological history of a certain place. And those are always in areas which are more difficult to explore. So this is where the need for a leg robot could come into place because um, we want to get there um, safely. So we need to make sure that we have um, a versatile system that can cope with the unknowns and is able to, to get there efficiently. So something that maybe allows us to go from place to place and do that in an energy efficient manner. So let's talk about the idea itself. How did the idea come about? And then can you talk about how you became involved with the Spacebot project? So the inspiration for jumping locomotion in space is already quite old. So the initial concepts for drafting like a pogo-like spacecraft a transportation vehicle um, originated from early concepts from NASA in the 60s. So and then once we saw the, the astronauts moving on the planet, we thought that, okay, this is a very interesting way to travel around and why not create a robot that would leverage the low gravity setting for um, efficient walking. So and also we find similar things on Earth. If you look at the animal kingdom and we see uh, very small insects performing really powerful uh, leaps up to several times their body size. And we thought that this kind of scalability together with the low gravitational setting is something very particular and very interesting um, to explore. 
And uh, yeah, this is what is inspiring us. This was what inspired us in the very beginning to create a robot that would be able to perform this motion. How do you even begin to design something as complex as a space robot? So in the very beginning, it was important to have this vision of um, a robot that would be able to perform a continuous jumping motion uh, in a low gravity settings. So some of the main design drivers that we had were creating a lightweight design, having powerful actuators, and some mechanism to recuperate energy. So and then we pretty much went through a classical top-down engineering process. So during which we first developed some concepts, collect ideas in morphological boxes, and then evaluate the concepts based on the requirements. And during the design, you would always create small prototypes. So like an initial initial leg kinematic with, with Lego even, or just quickly 3D print something. Especially in leg robots, it's always a very uh, big milestone once you have the first single leg um, mounted somewhere and be able to control it. And then the next step is, of course, putting more than one of them together, having four of them attached to the box and integrate the full system. You mentioned evaluation. How do you test the space robot? So we started testing um, first on component level. So before we actually do full system tests, we always would assemble the electronics first. Then we would test like single actuators, single joints, and then you kind of build on top of that. So we'd start um, with assembling everything together in a leg and try to uh, get the very first controller running that is able to perform this force control on the leg and then integrate everything together. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. FUTEC Advanced Sensor Technology specializes in the research and development of sensors that measure force, torque, or pressure. For the past three decades, FUTEC has had the privilege to work on many of NASA's historic missions. For the 2012 Mars rover Curiosity, FUTEC was commissioned to develop two unique sensors that could perform reliably in the cryogenic environment of space. The sensors monitor the movement, precision, and force of the rover's robotic arm as it drilled into the planet's surface and retrieved sediments for analysis. Other notable NASA collaborations include the Shear History Extensional Rheology Experiment, where FUTEC partnered with NASA and MIT to create sensor solutions for measuring polymer fluid in microgravity, and the Orion Multipurpose Crew Vehicle, where FUTEC developed safety testing sensors for the shuttle's parachute system. FUTEC is also proud to announce its involvement in the development of the new Viper Lunar Rover, which is scheduled to start mapping water ice on the moon in 2022. Go to futech.com to learn more. And now, back to our interview with Hendrik Kolvenbach. Hendrik, how do you simulate lunar environments, low-gravity environments? Can you talk a bit about the STEC center, the testing center there, and how you were able to test Spacebach? So in order to test um, the robot in this type of very special environment, the low-gravity setting, we went to um, STEC. So this is the technology center of the European Space Agency, um, which is in the Netherlands, very close to the sea. And here they all have the big testing facilities um, that the satellites go through before they're shipped to the launch site. And this is also where the robotic section of the European Space Agency is located. So they have three different areas in which they are active. So they have an area which is related to planetary robotics, telerobotics, and orbital robotics. And for the test that we did, we were essentially in the orbital robotics section. So there, there's a very specialized test bed. It's a 45 square meters or around 500 square foot flat floor, which is really, really level and also very flat. This allows us to have some sort of air-bearing robots. You can imagine those as 
uh, sort of hovercraft that are able to float on this very flat floor. And um, with this, you are able to offload essentially gravity. So you can simulate microgravity, but only in a two-dimensional plane. Yeah, so in essence, we did um, two different tests on this very flat floor. So the first one was creating of a small rail that would serve us as a gravity offload um, test bed. So by the inclination of the rail, we basically um, adjusted it to have um, a lunar gravity setting. So the inclination of this rail was adjusted to mimic lunar gravity conditions. Um, and Spacewalk was then mounted on this rail via a rotational bearing. And uh, with this, we were able to hop basically on this rail in place, but um, in a reduced gravity setting, which was what we wanted to test in order to, to check the energy efficiency of um, the jump. And then we also performed a second step in which we mounted the robot on these hovercraft type robots, um, but then inclined also to 90 degrees. So in essence, what happened was that the robot was jumping from one wall of this testbed to the other wall, while as the feet were touching the wall. And with this, we could also show that the robot was not able to jump in place, but actually was able to perform powerful jumps that would cover the whole floor and also forward and backward. So we could show three things. First, the jumping motion itself was feasible and was effective, um, that we can jump forward and backward in low gravity settings and that we were able to control the attitude of the robot with the reaction wheel. When you're building and testing a space robot, what's the most challenging part to get right? So in the specific case of uh, Spacebook, the biggest design challenges we had was the traversal of soft soil, because this is also something which is rather new for leg robot research in general. And since most of the celestial bodies that we know of are uh, made of some sort of granular material uh, on the outside, this created some very challenging, um, yeah, some, this was very challenging for us to, to deal with. So we had to design special feet, we had to test a lot. Uh, in order to make something that, that is able to walk on sand. Spacewalk is designed to get around on the moon and Mars and asteroids. Is there a particular environment that you think Spacewalk is especially suited for? So Spacewalk itself was designed for getting around um, moon and Mars. And I think Spacewalk or the technology that lies behind Spacewalk is especially suited for complex terrain uh, on moon or Mars. I think either of those areas, are like either of those celestial bodies are very interesting. I think um, what would be very interesting to go to was um, our craters, for example, on the moon or um, just caves on the moon, because those are very interesting areas that we want to research. And I think the, the robot itself would be provide the technology in order to get there and, uh, and investigate, especially now that space travel with a lot of private companies are becoming much more affordable. So um, right now you can deliver cargo to the moon almost as a service. So um, this would make it a good first step to demonstrate the technology without too much cost overhead. And what's the status of the project right now? Um, what are you working on as it relates to this project? So we have at the moment three lines of research. Um, one way is to find an optimal um, slope walking technique. So that relates to um, the test, tests that we are currently doing in the sand pit. Um, you can imagine this um, to be a tiltable soil container that we were able to go in with the robot, that we can incline up to 25 degrees with uh, soil, which is representative for Mars. And this is one area that we are focusing on, really show and demonstrate that we can go up high slopes of sand. Then another thing is to incorporate also more perceptional capabilities like vision sensors in order to perform the path planning autonomously on the robot. 
so that no human is involved when the route um, is being finalized. And the last area that we are pursuing is to uh, control the attitude of the robot just by using its, its limbs. Because um, before I was talking about the reaction wheel, but in essence, what we really want to do is just uh, be able to use the, the legs of the robot to control the attitude, basically like a cat. When you would let a cat fall, it somehow manages to play with the inertia in order to land back on its feet. And this is also something very interesting because it potentially saves us from this additional mechanism of the reaction wheel uh, and would allow us to, to perform this motion even more efficient. What's kind of a typical day for you? So <laughs> it's very hard to say. So typically my day varies a lot between like design engineering challenges. So there's always something new on the table, either related to mechanical, electrical, or software um, that has to, be, has to be developed or has to be fixed. Then um, quite a significant part of my day is also related to um, the steering of projects. So at the moment, we have many different projects and many different people associated to it. So part of my day is also in like structuring this, finding requirements for projects, making sure that they are going into the right direction. And then since I'm a PhD researcher, lots of it goes also down to write papers, uh, go to conferences, present the work. So uh, it varies day by day. How do you feel about NASA's Mars 2020 mission? Are you excited about that? Do you think that maybe Spacebach and, and the Mars rover Perseverance can kind of work together? Oh, yes, I'm, I'm very excited about uh, space missions also in general. So in fact, um, the Mars Pathfinder mission and the pictures, the very first pictures from the surface of the Mars are still very vivid in my memories and certainly inspired me to do this career. And, uh, and yeah, I'm very excited for this rover. Also for the follow-up rover that's supposed to bring back the samples that the rover is supposedly collecting and bringing it back to Earth would be, I guess, a big milestone that I'm very excited to see. I'm also very excited for the, um, the, the other missions, like the ExoMars missions that we are developing in, in Europe and now was shifted to uh, 2022, unfortunately, but also even the, the Chinese missions. So I think... There's so much momentum right now in this whole space of private companies uh, launching their spacecraft, different rovers being sent out. It's a really exciting time. And it's been a journey since 2017, I'm sure, from the idea phase to design to testing. And it's a phase that I'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with. Do you have any sort of advice about kind of lessons learned that you would give to our listeners about how to bring ideas to reality? I think what was very crucial uh, in this particular project is that we had a really interdisciplinary team. And um, during the, the weekly meetings that we had, everything was always on the, the table. Every expert from every field was contributing. So we would have um, weekly meetings in which every engineer from the different backgrounds would present their ideas and it all came together. And I think, the, especially in robotics, which is so interdisciplinary, it's very important that everybody uh, can contribute to the project and all the knowledge of the different people is leveraged on because um, I think there's nobody existing in robotics that can really say he's an expert in everything in robotics. So I think um, having this diverse team really helped a lot in order to progress rather fast. Are you working on any other kinds of robots uh, to be used in space or, or on Earth? So I'm also part of a Horizon 2020 activity. So these are research projects funded by the European Union. And here we develop um, inspection solutions um, that make use of, that also have a leg robot um, in the loop. So in particular, we focused in Zurich um, at the task of inspecting different um, subterranean environments. So sewers in particular. Sewers are quite vast in cities. There are many kilometers of underground infrastructure, which is not directly visible. 
And the question that we have here is how can we efficiently monitor the state of the concrete? I mean, so far there we have human inspectors that would walk through the sewer and inspect the canals visually uh, and tactilely. But as you can imagine, it's not the most pleasant environment and it's also quite dangerous. So we deployed um, a leg robot in the sewers with very specialized feet um, that was able to perform some sort of scratching motion on the concrete. And um, via the roughness, we were able to classify damages of the concrete. And the robot was also able to map the environment like in a 3D representation. So with this, with this um, system, we were able to monitor what is the state of the concrete in a sewer without being physically there. So the robot would just do this autonomously. That makes me think, is there ways that you can use Spacebock here on Earth as well? Yeah, so in principle, Spacebock is um, a dynamically walking robot. So you could also um, use the robot for many applications that we would find on Earth. So common things that we use in like robots for on Earth are um, industrial inspection tasks. So um, we want to have a robot that's capable to uh, walk in man-made environments. So talking about stairs, um, um, structures which are very difficult to overcome with, um, with wheels, for example. But then um, also disaster response is always a, a topic because here we also have unstructured environments which you really want to carefully walk through. So those are all applications. A leg robot like Spacebook um, can be used. Hendrik, where can our listeners go if they want to learn more about Spacebook? So if you want to learn more about Spacebook, I'm very happy if you would visit um, our website, which is um, spacebook.ch, or the website of our, of our laboratory, which is the Robotic Systems Lab at ETH um, Zurich. Well, Hendrik, thanks for being with us today on, on Here's an Idea. We're, we're, we're happy to have you, and thanks for sharing your story about creating Spacebot. Yeah, thank you very much for reaching out to me. To our listeners out there, you can go to our episode page at techbriefs.com slash podcast. At techbriefs.com slash podcast, you can also download all of our previous episodes of Here's an Idea. You can also get all of our episodes from your favorite podcast provider like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. I'm Billy Hurley. Thanks for being with us on Here's an Idea. Thank you.